Hello, hello. Welcome back. I have to say, every single week, I truly look forward to recording the podcast. And while I'm actually sitting in my closet surrounded by clothes and hats and even dirty laundry, I feel like I'm sitting at a table with you chatting, which is really exciting for me because I hope you know as a busy mom, sometimes you don't get to chat with other adults about things you care about. So I am super excited to be here. And I'm thankful that you are here every week as well. So today we are going to talk about plateaus. And a really common thing in society is when people plateau in their journey, especially we're going to focus more on fat loss, when they plateau, they think, okay, well, I better cut my calories. And I'm like, hold up, hold up that horse. That's not always the answer. And that's what I'm going to talk about today. Because that's how people get in that downward spiral of cutting and then they plateau and they don't know what to do. And then they cut again and then they cut again. And then all of a sudden they're binging and then they're not eating and then cutting and then not eating. And then I have online clients. For those of you who don't know, I do train women online and I help them with their nutrition. And those macro clients will come to me and they're only eating like 1200 calories on a regular basis. And I'm like, oh, sister, this is definitely not good for you. This is actually very unhealthy for you. And you can't reach your goals when you're not eating enough. So today I'm going to give eight ideas of how to break that plateau, how to just have different tools to change up what you're doing to continue to see changes without cutting your calories. Because while sometimes a short-term cut is very useful, I know I've talked in other episodes about, you know, how we should live our lives in maintenance. We should live our lives in the amount of calories coming in, calories coming out is level and we're not hurting our metabolism. And then we can go into very short-term calorie deficits. I typically recommend like four to 12 weeks, 16 weeks max, but that's really stretching it. So four to 12. And then we want to reverse diet back to maintenance and we live our life in maintenance maintenance. That's what the diet industry is terrible at explaining. They make people think they should live their lives eating less and less and less. So I want to point that out today because often this ends in that downward spiral. So I'm going to give you those eight quick tips of things to be aware of, things to adjust, or how to move things around based on if you're trying to lose some fat or trying to get healthier and you plateau in your progress without reducing calories. That is definitely not always the answer. It can be for some people if they're eating in abundance. With all the clients I work with, I have almost 50% of them, almost 50%. It's like 35 to 40 on a regular basis. And this last group I had, almost 50% of them were under eating and I had to reverse them. So I want you to be aware of this, that it's not always about cutting calories. And hopefully these ideas give you ideas for you to, you know, kind of change things up, some tools in your tool belt to modify things or move things around without reducing your food intake. Because as you know, I feel food is your friend. You are not supposed to live your life in a calorie deficit. It doesn't matter what your goals are. Even if you're trying to lose fat, you don't live in a calorie deficit. So that is what we are going to talk about today. Before we get started, as always, if this episode is helpful for you, please don't forget to share it on social media and tag me. I love to look for those every day. It helps boost my spirits and makes me want to record more and chat with you more. It helps the podcast grow when you write reviews, and it really just pumps me up to record. Today's review is by Kelly RDH. It's titled, A Much Needed Friend for My Journey. 
What a great friend Andrea is. I don't know Andrea, but I'm sure feel like I do. I feel like she's talking straight to me with every podcast she does. Her energy, knowledge, and relatable topics have given me so much encouragement. I'm in stage four cancer survivor and have had the hiccups in my fitness journey along the way. Andrea has helped me with motivation and excitement and has also taught me that I need to give myself grace as well. This is something a lot of women forget to do sometimes. I look forward to every podcast. Thank you so much, Kelly. I really appreciate the review. Let me also be honest. I do feel kind of silly reading these reviews because it's really not my personality. (laughs) It's really not my personality to read a review that's about myself. Like that feels so foreign to me. But I do read them to remind you to write them only because it truly does help the podcast grow. We can get on more guests and I can just start recording even more episodes. I'd love to even switch to two episodes a week, but I'm not at a stage where I can do that yet. So please don't forget if you find it helpful to write that review. And don't forget, as always, click on those top three buttons at the top of wherever you listen and make sure you're subscribed so my episodes download for you every single Wednesday. And before we get into today's episode, one tip that I'm not going to give today, but is also really important, and I know I have a couple episodes on it, is increasing your protein intake because that's going to help speed up your metabolism, which can help with your goals. One of the best ways that I get consistent protein in is I use ButcherBox. ButcherBox is seriously amazing. It is a high-quality meat and seafood subscription where you pick the size of your box. I pick how much I want to spend each month. I pick what meats I want to go in it, and then it's delivered to my porch every single month. It is a game changer because I get distracted. I don't always go to the store. I don't have time to chase the grocery ads. And I know that their meat is always priced well compared to grocery stores. I know it's high quality. It shows up at my house. So it's always in my freezer. I love it because you can cancel any time, but it is so worth it. We've been doing it for about two years and it is a game changer to just be able to open up your freezer for busy moms and not have to worry about getting more. Right now, they're running an amazing deal where if you sign up for a subscription right now, you get two 10-ounce New York strips along with an 8-ounce of lobster claw and knuckle meat for free in your first box, which is amazing. And again, you pick the size of your box. It just truly, for us as busy people, it just makes life easier. The code is butcherbox.com slash make it simple. So the name of the podcast Again, butcherbox.com slash make it simple. I will also add that link in the show notes. And protein truly is an easy way to bump up your metabolism, which really will help with your goals. So increasing your protein intake and making sure it's adequate for your needs is truly a main key as well to really break a plateau or see progress in your journey for building muscle or losing fat. So again, butcherbox.com slash make it simple. All right, let's get into today's episode and break down eight ideas for breaking a plateau without cutting calories. My name's Andrea Allen, and I am a mother of four girls under seven, a wifey to a mountain man, a personal trainer, and a nutrition coach. I love all things women's health and fitness, but let's face it, the fitness industry is complicated and it's not built for the everyday mom. There's so much conflicting information and you're busy and you don't have time to figure it out. I hate feeling confused and overwhelmed. So I have made it my mission to simplify health and fitness while creating a welcoming, realistic, and empowering home for like-minded women. I'm happy you're here and I hope you stay a while.
Okay, so as we get started with these eight ideas of how to break a plateau, I do want to point out some of them are linked to food, some of them are linked to fitness, and some of them are linked to a variety of things. So just make sure you're listening to each one of them and recognize that they are a lot of different ideas that are going to do different things. And also, with each idea I give you, I'm going to give a summary of why it can affect and help break a plateau and then give you a previous podcast where I break down that idea in a lot more detail. So I will also link all of those shows in the show notes, but you can also write them down like quickly on your phone, take a note and go back and listen to all of those episodes that break down that idea to break the plateau in extreme detail since we're only going to be doing mainly an overview of the ideas today. Okay, so my first way to break a plateau is simply you may need to go into a reverse diet. A reverse diet is when you start increasing your food intake because you could be possibly sitting at too low of a food intake. So if you're someone who yo-yo diets regularly, if you're someone who undereats or tries to eat as little as possible and then overeats in the evening, overeats every couple days, or loses it on the weekend and eats a ton and then like tries to vow yourself to not do that again and then under eats on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, there's a really good chance that you will need to reverse diet. This is really common. As I've mentioned, clients often come to me and I have to reverse diet them because with the cycle and the way you set up macros, if someone is already under eating, I do not want to hurt their metabolism more by giving them a slight and a short calorie deficit because sometimes we can see changes when we do a very short-term calorie deficit. As I mentioned, we don't live in the calorie deficit, but I can't do that if we're under eating. So if you've plateaued and you're trying to lose fat or you're trying to build muscle, you probably need to revive your metabolism by increasing your food intake on a regular basis. I'm going to highly suggest you listen to episode 10 and episode 11. Those are going to break down signs and symptoms that you probably need a reverse diet, and then they're going to give you tips on how to do that. I'm also going to be sharing some real posts on my DFH training pick page where I post client pictures of what a reverse is and how it works. I'm going to try to share more information there because I'm realizing the more and more that I coach, the more and more people are missing that they actually need the reverse diet. A lot of times people will binge or they overeat and they think that's the problem, but that's actually the effect. The cause is the undereating and not fueling correctly. So as females, or really just in general, people are labeling, oh, I can't see progress. I, I'm struggling because I binge or because I overeat. That's the effect. Remember, there's always cause and effect. The effect first is the undereating. So if you are stuck, a really good chance, or if you have been trying to diet your whole life or trying to you know, eat as little as possible or super over restrict your food intake or always just trying to like avoid food, there is a extremely, extremely high possibility that you need to reverse diet and you need to start increasing your food intake. And again, I would go back and listen to episode 10 and 11. If you try to cut your food intake more, it's just going to create more problems because it's going to slow your metabolism down and your body is going to hoard weight to meet its BMR. BMR stands for basal metabolic rate. And it's just going to hoard weight to 
basically meet your basic needs. So going and cutting calories is not the answer. The answer would actually be increasing your food intake to revive the metabolism. And then you have a little bit more freedom of if you want to balance the macros differently or if you want to do a cut or some of that. But your number one goal is to increase the calorie intake first. That is going to help break that plateau. My next tip is going to be simply to increase your weights. This weekend, I was at a conference with a woman and she mentioned she's going through menopause and she works out regularly and she's noticing some shifts and she just feels like, you know, her body's changing. And I asked her about what weights she was using. I said, what weights are you using in your workouts? And she's like, I'm using, you know, for bicep curls. And she told me she's using a certain weight. And then she told me her reps. Her rep range was very high and her weight was very low. The reason I say increase your weights is because the more you can progressively challenge your muscles, the more you can put them under stress, the more likely you're going to build muscle. Every pound you add of muscle makes the metabolism work harder to maintain that muscle, which means at rest, while sleeping, while watching your favorite show, your metabolism is working harder, which means you are burning more calories at rest. So for this female that I was talking to, I said, okay, your rep range is really high. I need you to almost double your weight size, and I'm going to bring you down to like an 8 to 12 rep range. I'm going to move you into, in the training world, in the open world, they say hypertrophy, where building muscle is typically six to 12 reps. You want to kind of shoot in that range. Strength endurance is normally above 12 reps. And then strength max would be one to five reps. So if you're trying to build muscle, you need less reps and you need more weight. If you want to learn a little bit more about why muscle matters, because I know some people have been taught to fear muscle, they've been taught to fear weights, they think that's going to make them bulky, I promise you, unless you're doing like steroids or something crazy, if you're eating balanced and you're lifting weights, it's going to be a good thing. Sometimes people will lift heavy and if they're not eating balanced or eating in abundance, it could cause some issues, but I promise you that is very rare. So I'm going to highly suggest you listen to episode 13, which talks about strength training compared to cardio, and what is best for your goals of fat loss or building muscle. Episode 13. Again, I'll link all these episodes in the show notes so you can go back and look more in detail. Okay, so I'm sure you might also be thinking, well, I don't have access to heavier weights and I don't have money to buy heavier weights because I know that that does happen. Maybe you only have 15s and you're like, I don't have the money to buy 20s or 25s or 30s or whatever else. So in that situation, I don't want you to feel out of loss because nobody likes feeling like out of options, like they're just left out to dry. So I'm going to suggest that you add some tempo, some tempo changes. So what that means is, Typically, when we lift weights, we lift at a 1-1 tempo. The weight comes up for a bicep curl. The weight comes down. That's a 1-1. I'm going to suggest you slow it down coming up and then slow it down coming back. There's a lot of different tempos you can use. You can use a tempo of going up for one rep and down three counts in the bicep curl. You can go two and two, so you count up for two reps in the curl, and then slow it down coming back. There's a lot of different tempos you can use. You can count up for one, 
and then count down for three coming down from the curl. You can count up for two going nice and slow counting to two, then down for two. You can count up for four going super slow coming up for four and then down for one or you can do four four. You can even go slower if you want to. The other thing with tempo is you can add an isometric hold which means you literally hold it in the middle of the bicep curl for an extended period of time. Maybe it's 15 seconds, 30 seconds, 45 seconds, whatever it is and so the the arm is under pressure. So that is a way that you can still kind of change things up without having to add more weights. Along with that you might want to change up your rest time. I know that's not in tempo, but I'm going to include it into tempo because it's going to change the tempo of your workout because your rest time is going to vary. So if you can't get more weights, number one, I am going to suggest that you try to save for more weights and just get a little bit heavier and do a little less reps. But if you can't in the meantime, let's focus on tempo and slow things down, speed things up, do a variety of things in that manner. My third tip for breaking a plateau without reducing calories is to change up your macro percents. So the body is amazing. Like literally, the more I research about the body and the more I study the body, I'm like, holy cow, like it is amazing. And the body functions amazingly well when we treat it amazingly well. But at the same time, the body is so smart that it adapts. It adapts really, really well. You may need to look at your macro percents. Maybe and I also do this for my clients, maybe it's not about increasing your food intake or decreasing your food intake. It might be that you need to change up the ratio of the proteins, fats, and carbs that you are putting in your body. For example, we have clients that come to us for online coaching, and I will get their food journals, and I will review them, and they're not under eating, and they're not overeating, but I notice that their percents are way off. For example, their protein could be super, super low, and they're lifting weights, but I'm like, if your protein's not high enough, you're going to have a hard time building muscle. Or maybe their carbohydrates are crazy, crazy low. Well, protein and carbohydrates actually build the muscle. The carbs take the protein to the muscle. Something else is their fat could be crazy low. Or any of those things can be really high. Maybe their carbs are super, super high or their fat's really high. Or they're just imbalanced. So I would take some time If you have a good relationship with food, obviously, sometimes tracking this can be bad for people. So you do have to be aware of yourself. And I never want to encourage you to do anything that is going to cause you any issues. But like a gas tank, I would take three days and I would track in my fitness pal and see what your actual macro percents look like. The beauty of my fitness pal or my macros or any of those is it will tell you the grams of your proteins, fats, and carbs. You can easily look at those and be like, wow, this one is like drastically low. Like my protein is sitting at 40 grams. That's clearly too low and you might want to change that up. Something else is you could be trying to build muscle. And if you're trying to build muscle and your carbs are really low, as I mentioned, that's going to be a problem for building muscle. There is beauty in all three macros. And depending on the client, I change up their ratios a lot. Some clients I will put on higher fat, moderate protein, lower carbs. I vary that up a lot based on a three-day food journal where I see what they're doing because sometimes it's an issue of simply changing what they're doing. And sometimes it's an issue of the way they're eating is actually not matching their goals. As I mentioned, if they're really trying to build muscle and they're eating low carb, that's a problem because carbs carry the protein to the muscle. So being aware of simply just changing up your percents, if you have eaten a certain 
diet style for an extended period of time, your body will adapt. Some clients, I simply will change up their percents and move them in a more balanced way or just kind of change up your fats and carbs and offset them to create change without any calorie reduction. Again, there is beauty in all three macronutrients. Don't let anyone tell you different. Protein helps with hair, skin, and nails. It helps build muscle, and it helps our bones to stay nice and strong. Carbs give us really quick energy throughout the day, and carbs help carry the protein to the muscle, as I said. And fat is fantastic because it can help you balance your hormones, and it also helps you build membranes. So none of them are bad by any means. I don't like demonizing any of them, but it may just be that your percentages of what you're naturally eating are off based on your goals. And that's something I work on with clients. It's easier for me to do that in person because everyone varies so much. I'm sure you're thinking, can you give us strict guidelines? But I don't believe in putting everyone into one box at all because that's what causes problems. So that does vary. But being aware of that can really make a difference. I would highly suggest listening to episode 21 where I do explain macros in more detail and kind of give you some ideas of balancing those out and why they matter. My fourth tip is intermittent fasting. Intermittent fasting is basically a way of eating where you have a feeding window and then a fasting window. So there'll be a certain amount of time where you eat whatever food you have in that window, and there'll be a certain amount of time where you're fasting. Typically, it is 14 hours of a fasting window, and then above that would be your feeding window. Now, people's fasting windows vary. I've seen 16-hour and 8-hour. I've seen 4-hour and 10-hour. But the least amount that they studies have shown work is a 14-hour fasting. Now, here's the deal with intermittent fasting, which I need to explain. It definitely has pros and cons, okay? So you have to be very careful with it. Oftentimes, people will abuse intermittent fasting where they will intermittent fast, but they will eat as little as they can in their feeding window. That is going to murder your metabolism and it is going to murder your hormones because you're not eating enough food. So if you abuse it, it can cause you problems. Second, if you have an unhealthy relationship with food, if you are nursing or if you are pregnant, I highly do not recommend intermittent fasting. It is not a one fit fits all. You have to think about if it will work for you. If having a fasting window makes you trigger thoughts of binging or going crazy, I would not fast. Now, being hungry in the fasting window and having a normal meal afterwards is great, but if you feel like you're losing your mind and you're just binging, I do not suggest it. So be aware that it is not for everybody. But if you don't have that experience, if you have a pretty good relationship with food where it doesn't cause issues, fasting can be very, very beneficial. Fasting has been shown to reduce inflammation. It's been shown to help with brain health. And it's also been shown to help with gut health because your body has more time to digest the food, which allows it to kind of work through things and not always be under pressure of constant food coming in. It also helps increase the human growth hormone, which can help help with building muscle and losing fat. If you want to learn more about intermittent fasting, where I give more details of the benefits, where I explain exactly how it works and I give ideas, I would listen to episode 41 on intermittent fasting. So again, with that one, it really can help break a plateau. Sometimes with a client, I have their food balanced correctly, their macros balanced correctly, and they may plateau. And I do not want to decrease their calorie intake. So I'll say, let's add intermittent fasting. And I warn them, if it causes you 
any stress, if it at all affects your relationship with food, please let me know. I want to take you off it instantly because it is not a fit for everyone. So be aware of that because at the end of the day, you have to do what's right for you. And while someone else can intermittent fast and have no problems, someone else could do it incorrectly or it could create a negative relationship with food. And that is our number one priority to not have a negative relationship with food. So be aware of that. But it does decently work if you are trying to not cut calories, but kind of just change up the windows in which you are eating your food. All right, three more tips to go, and then we're out of here. Okay, the next one is hormones. Oftentimes, a client will come to me and we have their workouts on point. They're pushing the weights. Their macros are balanced for their goals and needs. They're not under eating. They're not overeating. They are like killing it. We are doing all the things and they're like, I am stuck. I'm not seeing changes. This is when you get your hormones tested. In fact, I highly suggest you get your hormones tested every single year. Now, there are a lot of different tests that you can get done. They obviously all vary. With blood work, you do have to kind of be aware that blood work is more of a snapshot of the hormones. And so as I've researched, in fact, my head coach DJ has taken a hormone specialty class for working with clients so she can relate to them better and give them more solid info for our staff to help them. And we have found that the Dutch test is definitely the best Now, I'm not saying blood work is totally bad. It is helpful. I've done blood work before, but we're just saying it's a great start. But a Dutch test is a little bit more thorough. Some things that you could be aware of because some common problems when hormones are off that kind of hinder people's goals are low testosterone, high cortisol, high insulin, low thyroid. Low thyroid can be T3 or T4. And low progesterone can cause problems, even low DHEA. So there are a lot of different things that can cause you issues and hinder your ability to see changes when you're working hard, when you're eating balanced, when you're working out. When your hormones are off, it can literally feel like you are banging your head against a brick wall because you are doing all the things and you are just stuck. I spoke with someone the other day at this conference who is actually a fitness trainer and she has Hashimoto's and we had a really long talk. In fact, I'm going to have her on the podcast to share her experience as a trainer and someone who has Hashimoto's, but there are a lot of different things going on. So it is worth getting those tests if you feel off or if you're working pretty consistently and being consistent and you aren't seeing changes. I'm also going to highly suggest you listen to episode six and episode 51. I have two hormone specialists on there. They give ideas of what to look for, what to test, what to be aware of. Really, really solid, solid episodes that are really going to break those down. Again, it's episode six with Chris Walsh and episode 51 with Esther Blum. My seventh tip is if you feel like you've hit a plateau and you're doing all the things as well, and maybe it's not hormones, something to be aware of with hormones is your gut health and your food sensitivities and inflammation. So oftentimes, we might be sensitive to a food or our gut health could be causing us problems, which will create bloating and inflammation and cause us to struggle with feeling puffy because we are not actually processing a lot of those nutrients-dense foods, and then it's really hard to track progress. Also, it's really hard to see progress because if our gut health is off, it can cause us to feel tired, similar to our hormones as well, to feel tired and just lethargic, which makes it harder for us to work out to build that muscle to speed up the metabolism. You do want to be aware of your gut health and food sensitivities and inflammation. 
I talk about this in episode 99 and again in episode 51. Both of those are going to teach you possible ideas or issues to be aware of. I know in episode 99, which just came out, we talked about gut health, and there's even a quiz in that episode in the show notes, which tell you what to look for. You fill it out, and it can give you some things that you might be sensitive to or things you could be aware of, and that quiz is just right in the show notes for your gut health. For me personally, I realize that I, and I've mentioned it multiple times, that I'm sensitive to coniferous vegetables. The tricky part about that is That's like a healthy, you know, in parentheses, food, because it is. It has tons of vitamins and minerals. It's super awesome. Guess what? My gut biome doesn't really like to digest it very well. And I turn into a puffer fish when I eat it. Like straight up, you'd be like, oh, she's seven months pregnant. (laughs) And I'm like, nope, I just ate a cup of broccoli. That's all. And the sad thing is, is I love broccoli. But If I was doing that on a regular basis and I always felt puffy and I was trying to see changes, it would be really hard for me to see changes if I was constantly feeling bloated and puffy. So be aware of that. If you're doing all those things, you might have some gut health issues. You might be eating something you're sensitive to. I know that dairy can be a major problem for some people. I know that gluten can be a major problem for some people. And there's just so many different things that cause inflammation. So being aware of that is going to be really, really helpful. And I know in episode 51 with Esther Blum, she talks about that a lot as well and how that can even link with hormones. So that's a really good one to listen to. Again, to just dive a little deeper into gut health and food sensitivities and inflammation, episode 99 and 51. My last and final tip for today, I've got more tips up my sleeve, but I'm going to cap it out at eight today. So I'm not having you here for 27.5 hours is sleep. Sleep is a tricky one. Sleep's the one we all kind of want to like put on the back burner and be like, don't say that out loud. Shh. I want to stay up and watch my show. Shh. I don't want to sleep more. Shh. My kids are waking up in the middle of the night. Shh. I know how that feels. I promise you. (laughs) I promise you. I know how that feels because sometimes I feel like I have so much to get done in the day that at nighttime I'm like, oh, I'm alone. I'm free. I'm going to work on this and this and this and this. And before I know it, it's like kind of late at night and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm supposed to go to bed. But sleep makes a huge difference. If you are plateauing in your progress, if you are working hard and you're trying to build muscle or lose fat and you're not sleeping, you're going to have a really hard time. The reason why is because lack of sleep increases our cortisol. I've already said cortisol is one of the things that causes our hormones to be off and can affect our ability to maintain or even lose weight if that's the goal. Higher cortisol is linked to weight directly. Muscle is also built when you sleep. If you're not sleeping, your muscles aren't repairing. If they're not repairing, they're not building. And we already know that connection to the metabolism. I know I preach that one a lot, but it's a big one. Sleep also influences your appetite. It actually increases your ghrelin hormone. That is the hormone that makes you hungry. It triggers your hunger symptoms, and it also decreases your leptin hormone, which is the hormone that tells your body you're full. So when you're not sleeping enough, the hunger hormone raises and the full hormone goes down, which creates problems in being able to maintain weight or even lose weight depending on your goal. Studies also show, and you know if I ever mention a study, I will link it in the show notes as well, 
Studies also do show that people who sleep more are also more likely to participate in regular exercise. That's probably because if you're not sleeping very much, it's really hard to get motivated and move your body. So that makes sense that if we're sleeping more, we're more likely to exercise. Another study I found said that those who sleep less are more likely to eat more sugar and have poor diets. Now, this is just my thought as I read that study. I bet that's happening because I don't know about you, but when I have a night where I don't sleep well, I feel lethargic. I feel weighed down. And I know that if I have like a simple carb or sugar or something, it can give me quick energy because it creates that quick spike. And then instantly I crash and go down and then I want something else to spike it. And that creates those highs and lows in our insulin. So that actually makes sense to me that when people sleep less, they eat more sugar because sugar gives you a quick energy boost you know, and in the moment it might feel good, but then it always crashes when we do it that way. So being aware that sleep actually does help balance that out and we naturally eat a little bit less sugar and have better balanced diets if we are sleeping a little bit more. With that said, I promise you, I am a mother. I know that sleep, when people say sleep, people are like, mm-hmm, okay, close my ears, I can't even hear you because it is hard as a mom. It is so hard to get sleep. So I do want to point out a couple things. First, I want to point out that I see you and I get it. There have been periods in my life where I have slept very little and it is what it is and there's nothing I can do about that and I just have to do my best. But with that being said, sometimes during those periods, I also like to have that alone time and I would find myself watching a show late at night or scrolling on my phone. I'd put everyone to bed and maybe I would have a baby who wakes up all night nursing and I'd put the baby to bed at eight o'clock. Everyone would go to bed at eight o'clock and then I would scroll my phone from like eight to 10 or watch a movie or do whatever. And then I'd finally go to sleep at like 10.30 and then I'd wake up to like feed the baby at 11.30 or 12 or whatever it was. So while it's hard because we look at that time as self-care, I'm gonna encourage you to look at self-care as trying to get more sleep because that is actually going to self-care for our bodies a lot longer. I promise you, I know it's hard. I know it's hard. And I don't expect you to be perfect at it. If you have toddlers, if you work a night shift job, if you have a baby, there are so many reasons. But it doesn't mean we can't do our best with our situation to be aware and then to try to make tiny, tiny adjustments. I'm not going to tell you all of a sudden, okay, sleep eight hours when you've only been sleeping four. I'm going to tell you to look at your schedule and say, could I go to bed 15 minutes earlier? to go to bed 30 minutes earlier and slowly adjust it that way. On episode 53, I interviewed a sleep expert and she gives some really simple ideas to help us calm down and actually go to sleep because I know for a lot of people, including me, my mind races at night. I have a hard time falling asleep sometimes. And so on that episode, episode 53, she gives great ideas for calming down, why it matters, and ideas to help you fall asleep and stay asleep a little bit better for the windows that you can sleep. Okay. So that is it for today. Those are my eight tips to ways to be aware, change things up, add things in, you know, increase weights, all sorts of things to change what you're doing to possibly break a plateau you might be sitting in without eating less food. Everyone repeat after me. Less food is not always the answer. Less food is not always the answer. I said it twice. I want to really drive it in. Well, yes, as I mentioned, it can be. It is not always the answer 
at all. So be aware of these eight tools. Think about how you can mix and match them in, what you can be aware of, and hopefully you can break that plateau. They all will help with building muscle. They can all help with maintaining, and they can all help with fat loss as well. So no matter your goal, being aware of them and just kind of weaving them in as you see fit for your life. I'm not going to tell you to weave them all in because that would be crazy. And you know, I believe in tiny, tiny steps that add up, but find one that you're like, oh, okay, well, maybe I should look into this and dive deeper. Look into the episodes I suggested and dive deeper and think about it for your life. As always, you know, you are doing better than you think you are. I mean it from the bottom of my heart and we will chat next week. Thank you.